Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me. Should be an interesting show. You know, you've heard, maybe read some of my pieces on who is uh, really paying for conservation. Well, we're going to dig deep into that whole concept and talk about why that is so important to hunters and anglers and even target shooters out there. My guest is Jim Cucuruto. You might recognize that. How can you forget a name like that from the National Shooting Sports Foundation? Jim is now the executive director of a new group. We'll learn all about all the funding mechanisms for uh, conservation in this country and why you and I and everybody else in our world needs to maybe get a little bit more vocal about this topic. But that's not all. We'll be talking about the Upland Nation glossary as well. We're on the letter D. So if you are expanding your horizons from a knowledge standpoint, prepare for that. It's all made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns from LegacySports.com, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, and audiocardio.com. In fact, stick around for a chance to, well, honor one of your mentors thanks to audiocardio.com. First, a little bit of news. In Tennessee, they finally glommed on to something that a lot of folks are figuring out. They, I know personally from experience in Nevada and in Kansas, you can do this. Now in Tennessee, your hunting license is good for 365 straight days. You buy it on day one, whatever day one is for you, opening day for that matter. You can use it all the way up to the day before opening day, the next season. <laughs> a friend and I have taken advantage of that at least a few years in a row in uh, Nevada, for example. You buy it late in the season, then you come back and you hunt early in the season next year. So good on you. Thanks, Tennessee, for taking into account all of us who like to visit more than once a year. And congratulations, Texans. According to the Texas Hunting Accident Report, 2021 was a record low in terms of accidents. Just 12, the lowest per 100,000 license rate since they began reporting in 1966. Keep up the good work. And in Wyoming, if you know somebody who deserves recognition, the application for the Tom Easterly Memorial Award is now open. It's only open to youth in the Bighorn Basin. They're the ones encouraged to apply. If you want more information, go to wgfd.wyo.gov or visit the Cody Region Game and Fish Office. Yeah, the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products crafted at the highest caliber. Sign up for the mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. You'll get first notice of all the new products coming through the line and also the very rare sales that Fred Bohm puts on. Check the videos on how to clean your shotgun the right way. Whether it's a Mossberg, a Remington 870, or a Browning, or anything in between, they'll show you how to do it right. 
And if you're cleaning a gun or looking for a new gun to clean, LegacySports.com is where you can peruse the entire line of pointer shotguns. New on the website, the 2022 catalog. It's full of all types of shotguns, from semi-automatics to over and unders, youth guns, high-end to entry-level target guns, field guns, and a lot of them come with that variety of colors in a Cerakote finish. Learn more and take a look at the 2022 catalog at LegacySports.com. Well, this is like kind of old home week around here. A friend I made way back in the days when we were both working really closely. Well, he was working at the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Jim Cucuruto joins me. He is now the executive director of the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation. We'll dive deep into that in just a moment. But first, welcome to the show, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing great. And I, uh, I'm excited to speak with you it's great to catch up i know uh, hopefully we won't go too far down uh you know that kind of the reminiscing rabbit hole but we'll talk a little bit about all of the things that are important to both of us and all of our listeners in fact let's start with that how was your hunting season well i um i took full advantage of um you know this past hunting season more than i have in, in recent years i made a concerted effort to get outside as much as I could this past year and I'm I'm proud to say that uh, that was a success and you know I got to do a good amount of waterfowl hunting this year with my son and uh, did some whitetail hunting but um, I had a had a friend that uh, had a new uh, chocolate lab that he needed to get some work behind so he invited me out a bunch and I got to go out a little bit more than I normally do for pheasants. So uh, I had uh, a really good season pheasant hunting. I'm very impressed with what uh, here in Connecticut, the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection does. They've got, you know, 40 stocking areas and stocked a good amount of birds over about a 12-week period. And uh, every time we went out, we put up birds. And I'd say I, I you know, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't, I didn't miss a few, but I ended up with a pretty good percentage and just uh, you can you just can't beat watching a, a, a dog work absolutely it's so true and especially a young dog that's kind of feeling their way through the beginnings of this we we played with a 12-week-old wire hair puppy a couple podcasts ago uh and uh, it was just so fun to see that dog just run around and, and at that age they're still learning to run almost literally but that whole idea is um, is right in my wheelhouse. Now you said something interesting to me, this Connecticut, I mean, it, it, not well known for all that. And I understand they're stocking these birds, but that is a lot of places to put birds for a small population, 40 areas. I mean, how, how did they get so, um, I don't know, smart? Uh, well, you know, it all feeds back to the the model of the wildlife restoration and Pittman-Robertson dollars and spending those dollars wisely. First, buying up the habitat, turning them into wildlife management areas. And then with the addition of, you know, a state, um, I think it's a $17 stamp for, for bird hunting, they will, you know, use those dollars to buy as many birds as, as possible. And they've got volunteer network that 
do stockings two to three times per week. They're really um, smart with some of the partnerships they have, whereas we have some, you know, local game clubs that have land and the DEP will work with them to say, hey, if you open that up to, to everybody, not just your members, you know, we'll give you 500 birds or whatever the case may be. And it's a win-win for everybody. Um, and they, they've got a great website where you can go and there's a map of every place. Um, they tell you, you know, if you need a, a daily permit or not, you click a button. Um, they've done a terrific job for what might, might not be known as a pheasant state. Um, and I hit, hate to let the secret out, but I also like to let the secret out because uh, they deserve kudos. Well, we're going to talk more about uh, how these things are paid for very soon because that is uh, you know, kind of the the just the gist of the discussion in in large part for for us, you and me, and your organization. Uh, uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about the background of Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation, the whys and the wherefores. Sure, sure. Well, you know, prior to Outdoor Stewards, I had you know the eleven years at National Shooting Sports Foundation where I. I conducted a lot of research, millions of dollars of research that um, really gained a lot of insights for the firearms industry, caught us up to fill a lot of holes that was out there on participation and um, economics of hunting and, and really how we can grow hunting and target shooting over those years. And, um, you know, after I had left NSSF, I kind of looked at, you know, what didn't I accomplish? And the, the biggest hole to me was there was never um, an organization that connected and engaged the industry, the manufacturers, the retailers, the ranges with the federal and state wildlife agencies, U.S. Fish and Wildlife or your, your State Department of Natural Resources, with those conservation groups, with the end user, the outdoors people, which I call um, hunters, anglers, and target shooters. A nice easy acronym is HATS, hunters, anglers, and target shooters. Um, we always talked about engaging the Orange Army and the Blue Wave, which are those hunters and, and those um, anglers. And through the research, we know there's 60 million active HATS in America that spend 1.2 billion days outside every year hunting, fishing, or target shooting. So we know we've got a huge audience, but the question was, how do we you know, engage them? What are we gonna do? We know that they're funders of wildlife. We know they're stewards of wildlife. So um, you know, we put together um, a board and discussed the mission about what would be our mission for outdoor stewards of conservation. And that mission is to use research-based communication and engagement programs to help recruit that next generation of hats and promote the fact that hats are the primary funders and stewards of land, fish, and wildlife conservation in America. So, you know, the big question is how, how are we going to support that mission? And again, research, communications, and engagement are the key there. So the programs that we built um, again, off of that research are uh, twofold. The, the primary one that we're focusing on is an engagement program called Fill a Bag While Filling Your Tag. And again, we know that through the research, um, hats have told us that they have, 92% of hats have picked up other people's trash while out in the woods or in or on the waters, um, but the problem was they never really told anybody about it. You know, hey, I, I just do it naturally. 
right? Yeah. But yeah. I'm sure you've done it. I've done it. We've all come across other people's trash and, and picked it up as we go along and throw it in the back of a pickup and, and, and move on with our lives, but never really done anything about it. And we've all participated in, you know, earth days or scheduled trout, you know, cleanup streams, cleanup days, but uh, individually, never as a, a concerted effort. So this fill a bag while filling your tag, we provide biodegradable bags to hats all across America and they can stick them in their fishing vest or in their, you know, their hunting vest or in their tackle box. And when they're, you know, done fishing for the day and they're walking back through the trout stream, they come across a mylar balloon or a styrofoam cup or whatever the case may be, stop, take out your bag, throw that piece of trash in it and, and move along your way. Um, but what we're trying to do is don't just not tell anybody about it nowadays everybody's you know wants to put something on social media and um they'll catch a nice trout they'll take a picture here's my trout get a turkey i mean what's better to take a picture of than a than a beautiful pheasant right i mean um so we're asking people right on the bags are pre-printed with instructions uh snap a photo post it to your social accounts and use the hashtag trophy trash so now <laughs> you've got your trophy trout or your trophy deer, or your, you know, so why not be proud You're, of being a steward of conservation? You're already doing this. Get credit for it. Let's turn yeah. it into a national campaign that can be done 365, 21, 24, 7 year round by up to 16 million people. I love it. And it's got a goal of, you know, 100,000 pounds of trash annually out of the woods or waters. Um, and I'm sure, like I said, you've probably come across trash yourself. Well, yeah, across trash and then some other things that are intimately related with this. And I'm going to just spout for a moment or two on that. Number one, what a great idea. Um, and while, you know, what I like most about it is, is the, the idea that uh, we need to show people. I mean, people need to be educated. I'll give you one example of that. I was hired to give a keynote speech at a, a conservation organization uh, annual meeting a few years back. And uh, it was a chance to finally get all this off my chest. So I started with who pays for conservation. And, and then I asked around the room and somebody said, oh, my license uh, uh, fees do that. And somebody else said, oh, our state income taxes do that. And I said, yeah, but not really. And, uh, and, uh, and then I asked any, does anybody know what the Pittman Robertson act is? And, uh, a couple hands in a group, in an organization, in a meeting of 200, two to three hands went up. Um, so you're going to, yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot to talk about that. But my point has always been, and it still is, we do all the heavy lifting and somebody else gets all the credit for it. Now I know that's not a very constructive way to describe it, but the fact is, um, all sorts of other organizations have seats at the same dang table we do, but they haven't paid the price of admission. Am I missing anything here, Jim? No, you're spot on, Scott. And I mean, it's, uh, it's always been a pet peeve of people in the know that, you know, we've got to do a better job explaining that. And, and actually, one of the things that we're doing at Outdoor Stewards is posting micrographics to our social media and those micrographics will be something along the lines that hats are the primary funders of conservation, $9 million a day toward conservation. Another micrographic might say, you know, $3.2 billion a year 
outcomes from hats and supporting of conservation. And, you know, we back those up with here's how much comes from excise taxes on firearms, ammunition, archery, or fishing products. Um, here's how much um, comes from those hunting licenses, those fishing licenses. I think it's like $500 million a year is con contributed from hats to those conservation groups, the Ducks Unlimited, the National Wild Turkey Federations. But all in all, you know, hats support about 70% of a state wildlife agency's budget. And as you know, those state wildlife agencies, biologists do incredible work maintaining habitat. So if you back it out without that funding from hats, state wildlife agencies aren't gonna be able to do the work they do wildlife conservation is going to be in peril without the primary funders being those hats we've got to continue to get the word out there and you know it's going to be a grassroots effort through that you know a consorted group that continues to push out the message we need to spread the word on who the true funders and stewards of conservation are amen to that uh we are listening to the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden i get to ask most of the questions jim cucuruto gets to answer them he's the executive director of outdoor stewards of conservation foundation you know um back in the day when i first moved to this town one of my side hustles was uh, uh managing political campaigns and uh got somebody elected at the state level and i said yeah now now it's your turn to do me a favor you need to make all of those hikers campers mountain bikers wildlife they need to buy a freaking license too and pay their fair share and back then he said oh no then they'll want a seat at the table and as you heard a moment ago they already have one they're just loud and grating. They're the squeaky wheels. So whenever anything comes up, when it comes to wildlife or fish management, they always seem to get their point across, uh, maybe even mo more vociferously than the others. Has that been an issue for you and your organization yet? No, you know, while, while certainly at NSSF, we had a very strong government relations team that, that managed that. And one of the things that I you know, while I was with NSSF, through the research there, um, some of the insights related to our government relations team, and, and I was the one that would be the expert witness for the industry on trying to protect um, Second Amendment rights and all that sort of stuff, and, and going in rooms with three opposing lawyers uh, was not the funnest thing in the world. So, you know, given the choice between that and, and promoting the positive message of conservation and recruiting the next generation. Uh, that's what we're really focused on at Outdoor Stewards of Conservation is the, the positive message of what we're already doing and how we can bring in some more people that can spread that message. But um, I am certainly glad to see, you know, organizations out there still fighting the good fight on the political front. Um, and it's down to... Uh, my message to people, you know, that we're working with our constituents is, you know, you've got to attend these local meetings. You've got to join your local um, organizations and, and help spread the word on uh, who truly are the ones that are out there protecting habitats and wildlife and all that sort of stuff. And it's okay to share it, but, you know, we just want to make sure that 
folks know who <laughs> really are the ones that are backing this whole uh, this whole cycle of wildlife in in America. You know, I uh, I love your attitude about this and and the philosophy that you guys are are using. It's way m- less confrontational than the way I would do it, but but that just uh, comes with the territory, I guess. You know, I wrote a uh, an op ed piece many years ago for our local uh, newspaper, and and the lead was. If you support wildlife management and conservation, buy a gun. And uh, people thought I was nuts. <laughs> but uh, you can explain why I, I, I'm not off base at all with that. And, and we'll get started on that conversation, and then we'll pick it up again after the break. But, you know, how, how does that all work when it comes to fish and wildlife management and, and the funding of it? Yeah, that's great, you know, that you write those type articles with eye-catching headlines. And and I was fortunate enough to be able to, you know, be reached out to as a resource for a lot of articles. And you kind of jarred my memory of a outside the industry publication. I think it was 530. Uh, that was more of a political organization. But they wrote an article on um, how, you know, firearm sales are saving the monarch butterfly or, or something along those lines and it was just like they had a different audience right that mm-hmm. saw that headline and i could just imagine a butterfly lover going what you know <laughs> so um within that article and you just have to explain about you know back starting in the 1930s when there were you know not a lot of laws and regulations out there the sportsmen of the world said you know what wildlife is getting decimated because of unregulated market hunting and a few unscrupulous people. So let's start to self-police ourselves. And, you know, they, they were the ones that really worked with industry as well saying, yeah, we want to make sure there's going to be, you know, nature available for future generations. And that started the, the, Pittman Robertson uh, were two key senators that started some legislation and, you know, of course, Teddy Roosevelt before them and Aldo Leupold. So you have to really kind of explain who the the founders of conservation were. And they were all, you know, sportsmen and women back in the day. And um, they joined forces with, believe it or not, uh, women's groups that um, gardening groups and stuff like that, that had had enough of, you know, these hats with the feathers on them and they're, you know, killing all the birds out there just to make a hat and all that sort of stuff. So there is hope for the future where we can all join hands and work together. You know, the people that aren't paying for it and the people that are, um, but we just have to communicate again, really who the true funders of that conservation model are. And um, again, we've seen, tremendous wildlife restoration stories everything from antelope out west to the the wild turkey uh, across the nation white-tailed deer have thrived you know pheasant populations i'm sure were natural are are coming back uh, as strong as possible waterfowl ones the examples are countless but um, again it's all due to that funding model that's been around since the late 30s We'll get deeper into that and a few other things in that area. Hey, man, stand up and be proud, as uh, as uh, one song I know very well says, uh, 
Don't doubt yourself. Jim Cucuruto is the executive director of the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation. I'm Scott Linden, your host here at the Upland Nation podcast. We'll be back to Jim in just a moment. But before we do, we'll uh, first talk a little bit about two of our sponsors here, audiocardio.com. Yeah, just like it sounds. And it's kind of kind of interesting, audio, cardio. It's all about a workout for your ears. It's a hearing wellness app that will maintain and strengthen your hearing. It's kind of like sound therapy. It's really easy. You just put your head, your earbuds in or your headphones on, and you can do any sort of other work while you're doing it because you really don't hear it. After you've got everything dialed in and adjusted for your hearing loss, you can start building it back, strengthening your hearing. There's a 14-day free trial after that, it's just about eight thirty-three a month at the lowest rate for an annual subscription. Go to audiocardio.com and watch the two-minute video and figure out for yourself whether it's worth a try. Heck, in 14 days, you can figure out whether you really do have a little bit of hearing loss, and then you can decide whether this is the right way to, uh, I guess I'll call it, uh, provide some physical therapy for those little cilia in your ears that do all the really heavy lifting and speaking of heavy lifting it's a lot easier to do these days on your rough land kennel because handles are now included with every kennel yeah you could have got them as an option early on uh, but now they just come standard with every single rough land kennel Learn more about them at roughlandkennels.com and rough is R-U-F-F, roughlandkennels.com. Easy to move them, a new standard color. I've got it. It's a millstone, kind of a gray, but that's as far as I'll go. I'm colorblind, cross dominant, curved spine, and one leg shorter than the other. So I'm lucky I can um, be told what color it is. They do support pheasants forever, and they're, they've got some new technology, ability to offer a wider variety of accessories. They all will integrate with your current kennel if you have one, or your current accessories if you're looking for a kennel. Learn more at roughlandkennels.com. And with that, we welcome back Jim Cucuruto to the Upland Nation podcast. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, and so um, what was the highlight of your hunting season? Was it with that young Labrador or was it that Drake wood duck you got? <laughs> well, I tell you what, the highlight for me is, you know, going out with my, my youngest son. He's been my uh, my hunting buddy for the past couple seasons and we're kind of minimalists when it comes to waterfowl hunting. We'll just take uh, our kayaks out and find a cove somewhere and, and throw a couple decoys out there. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we'll get shots off here and there, but um, he had got his first banded goose this year. So um, that was, you know, it's always a thrill to get a banded bird, but, um, you know, seeing the excitement on your son's face when he, uh, realized that he got a, a band was uh something i will not soon forget oh i bet that's got to be just spectacular and i hope you have a big picture somewhere on the wall about it um you know it's funny you you and me go back a long way i think the first project i did with the shooting sports foundation was um uh, oh 
it was um, uh, Wing Shooting USA, <laughs> the TV show, when one of our mutual friends uh, came to me at a shot show and said, hey, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm making a bird hunting show. And he said, well, we'll fund that. So that worked out great for me. But in the course of doing all that, I got to know everybody over there pretty well. And and I interviewed Steve Sinetti. He was he had just come from Ruger and he was running the foundation then. And and I asked him this basically the same question I ask almost everybody in a position of power these days, and that is, you know, you're a consummate hunter, you can go anywhere, you can do anything. What do you love most? And they all tell me a story much like you just told me it's not about me anymore i mean do you see that more and more jim uh you know i i do you know and there's different stages of a hunter yeah. and an angler and a target shooter and all that sort of stuff and i'm kind of in one of those later stages right now but um you know I, and i remember actually at shot show meeting you after you know one of our research breakfasts that we had and uh I was talking about a new initiative that NSSF had started, uh, you know, a recruitment initiative called Plus One. And you came up to me and said, oh, finally, right? Because you, you had been doing it for years. We'd all been doing it for yeah. years. But again, it's it's communicating that. It's getting more of the industry involved in that. Bring somebody with you. And, and through that research that we had conducted over the years, I boil it down to what we call the three I's, right? You need to provide information to that person that wants to get started. They don't know anything about, you know, where to go, right? So you can point them, okay, go to the yeah. DEP website. They don't know what they need to buy, what the rules and regulations are. Um, but, you know, that second eye, which is the most important eye, is that invitation. And that's what we've all been doing. We've all invited somebody to come with us hunting or fishing or target shooting. But again, we kind of keep it to ourselves. Let's spread the word. You know, tell, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. put it out there on your on your Facebook, saying, "Hey, I took Scott out on his first, you know, ice fishing trip, and here here's what it's about." Or you know, and I know you've done wing shooting stories on that as well. But um, that was something that you know, the stage I'm in, I enjoy seeing other people do this. You know, we were fortunate enough to bring out. I think you might have seen it um, internally some staff. Um, on their first pheasant hunt, you know, at, at NSSF. We went to Orvis Sandinona and they put out birds for us. And I mean, I had worked with these people for 10 years and shame on me for never asking them before or never going to HR and saying, can we do this? Can I <laughs> put out, you know, a, a, you know, a group session? And it was surprising the amount of people that worked within the firearms industry that had always wanted to go, but they were apprehensive about asking. But when asked they will go and we saw that over and over we did things at ruger we did things with uh, sig sour we did things with daniel defense all you have to do is ask your staff or ask your co-workers or ask your your the person next to you in the pew at church uh do you want to come with me you know yeah, and that yeah. come with is uh you know is a program that we're doing falling under that same r3 umbrella we want they go 60 million hats to say Come with me next time I go. Yeah, think about that. Even if, if only 10% of those people actually succeeded in turning someone else into a participant, I mean, that's 6 million more folks buying guns, ammo, bows, arrows, rods, reels, and paying that excise tax. Uh, you know, uh, so far we're down to two eyes. I want to hear that third eye, and then I want to tell you a story. Sure, sure. That third eye is an incentive. 
And originally, you know, what we tried to do was that more, there's really, you don't need an incentive to start, but it was that mentor. Like mm -hmm. what we would do is work with partners, union sportsmen's Alliance to reach their audience and say, Hey, can you push this message out to your you know, union members saying, if you introduce somebody new, tell us your story. Um, we will provide you with a, a buck night, you know? So there's that incentive, not that, you know, mentors really need that. They'll do it on their own, but a little extra something is not going to hurt. If somebody said, Hey, Scott, would you take out, you know, somebody on their first uh, upland hunt? Yeah, I will. And then you say, will you take out somebody on their first upland hunt next week and I'll give you a free knife. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it just incentivizes it a little bit more. Um, but the key is that invitation that by far that's going to, you're going to get, uh, a lot of yeses to that invitation from unexpected uh, people. Yeah, I found that absolutely true. And and the other thing, and I'm I'm clueless sometimes, but I've written on this, and I think this is the next big hump we need to get over. And that is, sometimes they're never going to ask us, but they really want to go, and we need to learn to be a little bit more perceptive about the kind of the more subtle hints. You know, one for example, I wrote a piece a, a couple of years ago for a magazine, and 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 in it I said, here are some things they might do if they're really interested, but they don't think it's appropriate to ask. Um, do they look at all the pictures you show? <laughs> uh, do they ask you what you're doing this weekend, or do they ask how your weekend went, and do they ask for more details when you talk about a hunting or a fishing trip? Those are things that you know maybe somebody a little bit more perceptive than me. Uh, picks up on faster now the other thing is and this uh, again you know i i piss off a lot of people when i give speeches <laughs> because i i tell it like it is or at least the way i think it is and for years uh, you know I, i've been like i said i've been doing r3 before they came up with a name for it but the challenge we face is anybody can help out or anybody can drop their kid off at a youth hunting day and all the poor volunteers babysit that kid for the day and then the kid goes home with a couple pheasants they all eat them everything's happy the parents don't follow up there needs to be some more long-term effort and i see some of the organizations are st are now finally getting to the point where the the word mentor is coming up more and more it's not just a one-day thing it's not just a fun day at the range it's a relationship do you see that as well i do and you know you mentioned a couple of key things there um and i think upland hunting has it really easy because of two things right you've got a dog Mm -hmm. which everybody loves dogs. I mean, and then you've got a pheasant, which is unbelievable, unbelievably great table fare. I mean, so it, that pushing the food aspect of um, hunting is how a lot of now adults are getting into hunting, right? You've heard the foodies, the farm to tables, the field to fork programs, uh, the locavore movement, that food aspect is just a real easy, you know, way to get somebody involved in hunting. And of course, all the dog lovers out there that um, say, hey, you want to come watch, you know, see, see how my dog works the field. You don't have to carry a gun if you don't want to on the first time. I mean, uh, my adult mentor, uh, you know, my neighbor Ed here, I took him out on a deer hunt and he didn't want to 
carry a gun the first time, you know, so mm-hmm. you just, you just take it at their speed. Um, but those adult hunters, you know, those new non-traditional hunters that aren't the 12 year olds, they do have the means to follow up. They can drive themselves places. They can go buy their own mm-hmm. products. They're old enough to buy a firearm and, and do that. So there's been a co- pretty good concerted effort among that R3 group. I'm glad to hear that. That is uh, absolutely where I think it needs to go next, in my humble opinion. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, the host. That's Jim Cucuruto. The organization that he is with is the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation. Hey, Jim, if we want to learn more, what's the website address for you guys? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, and our, you know, we'd love to get as many people engaged as possible so they can learn more about Outdoor Stewards of Conservation at our website, www.stewardsofconservation.org. And, um, you know, on there you'll be able to um, request uh, a filler bag. We'll send you one of those for free and, you know, help help scale that into a national effort and, and get the credit we finally deserve for being the uh, Stewards of Conservation. You know, I just, I'd love that program. And I know a lot of committee meetings and a lot of discussions had to go on to come up with that one, but it strikes me as, as the perfect balance between uh, my attitude, which is a little confrontational and yours, which is all about, um, data and being, um, inclusive, if you will. So, uh, what else you got on the agenda for down the road? I know it's a relatively young organization and you're still feeling your way, but uh, what are your other hopes and dreams for the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation? Well, like I said, we would love to become, you know, um, that one organization that engages all those audiences that are kind of working separately, the Fish and Wildlife, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, the state DNRs, the manufacturers, the retailers, the rangers, um, and then that end user along with the conservation groups. Like I said, that just never has been, you know, an organization that's done that before. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have the background, to have worked with all those groups for a decade, and uh, now we're putting it all together. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive comments uh, from some of the folks that want to support this effort we've already gotten partners in conservation or sponsors to um you know our fill a bag program some manufacturers DOK ammunition has stepped up and tennessee department of natural resources has stepped up so we feel that um you know we are going to be able to change the narrative out there on who funds conservation finally get that message across to the, the general population um and you know do good while doing it we're gonna get our hands dirty while cleaning up nature (laughs) Uh, let me write that one down that's good if you haven't used that yet you probably should um You know, there's one that the one thing that plagues me all the time. It's always in the back of my mind. I just wrote another piece on this topic for uh, Gun Dog Online, in fact. But uh, you, you know, the, the the other groups out there, and I want to say everybody from Audubon to the National Forest Foundation will say, "Oh, we are, you know, we're saving wildlife and we're managing, uh, you know, uh, fish and game and all that." Um, and, and they don't they don't pay an excise tax for anything. They pay a little income tax, and a little tiny fraction of that maybe goes to their state uh, resources uh, agency. Uh, but then they all hold up the Land, Water, and Conservation Act. 
and and the fund that's been created there. Does any of that money ever get back to bona fide wildlife and fish management? I'm sure it does in a roundabout way, but the majority of it doesn't. It's not boots on the ground to get people, yeah. you know, out there hunting and target shooting for sure. Just politically, it's a little bit charged there. But um, I think there's hope. You know, uh, there is a Recovering America's Wildlife Act, RAWA, that, as far as I understand it, got a good chance of passing, and that would bring $1.4 billion to state wildlife agencies. And the hope is that that $1.4 billion would be used on those non-game species, which are just as important, you know, as game species, that there's a lot of species that are in peril, and and that money would go to support that effort. But then you can redirect that, you know, that billions of dollars that hunters are doing to more specific programs on hunting, fishing, and target shooting. So there's hope out there. Well, there you go, and I, I and I, I love that idea because you know it, it to a great degree it still irks me when I drive past a a new guzzler being built and I stop over and talk to the guys doing it, and it's not for game animals or uh, anything like that. It's for you know endangered songbirds or three-toed salamanders or whatever it is, and and our it's still our money being used for all of that to a great degree. So. Um, keep up the good work uh give me the website one more time so that if anybody's interested they can check it out sure org. can't wait for a progress report we'll talk more as you guys grow and mature the um organization again is called the outdoor stewards of conservation foundation jim cucuruto is the executive director Jim, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, hope to meet you down the road sometime again real soon. In the meanwhile, keep up the good work and thanks for being on the Upland Nation podcast. All right. Very much appreciate it. Take care, Scott. You too. We got more to come around here, including our Upland Nation glossary. We're on the letter D and a new promotion that you might want to get involved in. I said a new promotion. You'll get the joke in a minute or two, I hope. Meanwhile, let's talk about Dr. Tim's natural performance dog food. I have a homework assignment for you. Go to drtims.com. Read up on Dr. Tim's feelings on why your dog needs a quality mix of diverse proteins from air, sea, and land source. I know, I sound like a Navy SEAL there, don't I? Well, maybe they could benefit from it as well. But anyway, Dr. Tim has done all the homework for you, so you can just crib all of his answers there, and then you'll pass the test and figure out for yourself why your performance dog needs a great food with all of those protein sources in it. The good news, free delivery right to your porch. 30% off your first order. Just use the code UplandNation at DRT. I-M-S dot com. 
Hey, how'd you shoot last season? Don't ask me. No, actually, I, I shouldn't complain, but um, but I'm going to get better at it because I'm going to Mid-Valley Clays in shooting school and taking a lesson from Dave Fiedler over there, bringing a couple friends. We're going to stay for the weekend. He's got an RV park there for us. We're going to learn how to shoot better, and then we're going to go out and practice 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 on any number of sporting clays trap skeeter five stands uh ranges they're all out there learn more at midvalleyclays.com if you're anywhere in the west take a look at what they have to offer and where they are maybe make it a stop of your own shoot uh, some of the uncrowded days and times because you're camped there too learn more at midvalley clays.com time for the upland nation glossary this is your chance to become more erudite or just show off to your friends every week i'm going right down the list that's available at findbirdhuntingspots.com and by the way a lot of you helped put that together so thank you all in fact if you were a field trialer you probably helped with this d word derby we see it a lot bandied about a derby stake is uh, one of the competitions if you will one of the tests at a field trial for dogs but not just any dogs. The dogs have to be between six months of age and no more than two years of age. So these are young-ish dogs that show all sorts of potential. That's what a derby dog is. If you didn't know now, you do. Derby dog. I promised you an interesting new promotion, and I hope you will take advantage of it. Audio Cardio, our new sponsor, asks, who's your hero and i spelled that h-e-a-r-o-h hero because they're all about improving your hearing you enter via the wing shooting usa facebook page just go to the page look for the post at the top that'll take you to the link you can learn more about what audio cardio is and how it could positively impact somebody who's positively impacted your hunting life, a mentor, spouse, friend, parent. Maybe they need a little help with their hearing. So you nominate them. Three nominees will get a free year of physical therapy for their ears via the audio cardio app. It's all at the Wing Shooting USA Facebook page. That's where you start and good luck now it's time to say thank you and farewell jim cucurudo appreciate your insights and the hard work that came into the outdoor stewards organization good luck on that thank you all for listening as well our sponsors of course and those who left ratings and reviews including outdoorsman 81 and jimmy crf 450 I'll leave you with this point to ponder from author Phil Pastorette. Hey, if you think dogs can't count, try putting three dog biscuits in your pocket and give him only two of them. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, see you at the range.